All right, well, it's almost the end of a school year, right? And it seems like it's a very, very busy time of year. Students are in a flurry of activity with in-year projects and finals. At the end of school also comes graduations and graduation parties and banquets and award ceremonies. And then there, we've got soccer tournaments going on, band recitals, and a host of other things that our kids are involved in. And it isn't just our kids that are busy. We as adults are just as busy and even more so. As I was studying for this message, I started to research just how busy Americans are because I'm a statistics kind of guy and I like to look at concrete numbers. And what I found was that we are busier now and that life comes at it at a faster pace now than it did 50 years ago. But as I was researching, I thought to myself, you know what? I don't need a statistic to tell me how busy I am. I know that I'm busy. So do you. If you'll take the time to reflect on it, we all feel it inside of us. This sense that there's so much going on. I mean, we're anxious and we're tense and we're worried and we're concerned and our minds just don't know how to shut down. And even when we try to rest at night internally, our spirit doesn't rest. We have this restless spirit within us. And I'm gonna be really honest. I fall in this trap all the time because I'm a planner. I like to plan. I always have to have a plan. I need to know what the plan is for today. I need to know when is this deadline due? Housework needs to be done. What activity is next? I got to go run this errand. I have to go to this event. I can't miss my TV show because I got to fit that in as well. And when I do take time for vacation, we usually have so much activity and planning in our vacation that when I get back, I need a vacation from my vacation. You ever feel that way? And inwardly, I'm so overwhelmed with all there is to do and all the activity in my life that my soul just feels restless. And Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes really paints a real good picture of the way I have lived way too much of my life. And chances are where many of you have been living as well. Solomon said this, So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief, Even at night, their minds cannot rest. And man, that is where I am so often. I'm so wound up inside that I find it difficult to calm down and rest. Sometimes at night, my mind keeps going and going, and I can't shut it down. I mean, I can't remember the last time I was able just to sit and relax and reflect on God's goodness. And how many of you would say that's you? I mean, be honest about it. We live a fast-paced, event-filled life. Every day on the calendar has something on it. If you don't believe me, find five of your friends and try to find an open night that you can meet together. It's impossible to do. We are overworked, overbooked, overstressed, and way too many times the rest that God has designed for us gets overlooked, both physically and spiritually. We know that our physical bodies need rest. Without proper rest, our bodies begin to have a lot of problems. Lack of rest can affect your ability to think and remember and process information. It can make you feel moody. It can make you have conflicts with other people and affect your overall quality of life. And I would say that your soul needs to find rest as well. That it is as important even more so than finding rest for your body. That finding rest for our soul is the beginning of leading a spirit-filled life. And without it, our spiritual development suffers and our relationship with God suffers and our impact in God's kingdom suffers for it. 
So we're going to begin a new series. And today and then in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to rest. Because I don't know about you, but man, I am so tired. I'm tired of running this pace. I am. And we're going to be looking at this idea of Sabbath. What, it, what would it look like if we regularly set aside a Sabbath day? And I'm talking about a whole day. I'm not talking about two hours at church. I'm talking about a whole day. If we took a whole day and rested in the presence of God and reflected on all that he has done, what would that do for us? Now, I know that a Sabbath day might sound foreign in the 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year culture of convenience that we live in. But I believe that there is something that we have lost. We've lost it along the way. Something that if we got back might change the way that we live our lives, might change our lives significantly for the better. So let's take a look at what God has to say about resting The first indication that we get of a Sabbath is in the very beginning in Genesis. It says this, God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. Here, God introduces us to this idea of a day of rest, and he blesses it, and he makes it holy. Notice that God didn't sanctify the working days, but the day of rest. Now, it's unusual for God to bless a day. Generally, when you see blessings in the Bible, it refers to blessings of animate things, beings like men, animals, and so on. Divine blessings on men and animals leads to fruitfulness and success. The same holds true for making it holy. Generally, only places and people are made holy and set apart. And because God is holy, which is the nature of his character, because God is holy, when something is made holy and set apart, it acquires a special status that belongs to God alone. So what does it mean for God to bless a day? Well, I think it means that the day is a time of blessing. See, when God blesses a man, the man becomes rich with blessings. When God blesses the land, the land becomes rich with blessings. So when he blesses a day, that day becomes rich with blessings. And because God made the day holy, it means the day is set aside for special focus on what is holy, namely God and his holy works. So when you put the two together, blessed and holy, you can see that the day is designed for us to reflect on God and to be blessed in doing so. See, if our focus and intention are on him, we receive more blessing than if we keep on busying ourselves seven days a week with worldly affairs, which leads us to the trap to think it's our own efforts that get us anywhere and that bring happiness. And the reverse is true. When you seek your blessing in God rather than the products of human labor, you value him and honor his holiness as the greater wealth. See, this idea of the Sabbath rest to reflect on God's holiness and to be blessed by him is a principle that we've lost. I think we've lost it. But yet it's a principle that still has value and it holds true today. Let me give you a really good example. How is it that Chick-fil-A, who is closed on Sundays, does better 
than all other fast food restaurants that operate seven days a week. Some of them open 24 hours a day because they are. Chick-fil-A is dominating the national sales charts. Get this, on average, a Chick-fil-A store brings in $3 million a year on average. Their competition only averages about $900,000 a year. That's three times as much on less days. How is that possible? Business Insider, who wrote the article I got these stats from, says it's due to Chick-fil-A's great customer service. But the truth is they don't know how they do it. The whole industry is trying to figure out how they do it. I'm going to tell you how they do it. They honor God by taking a day off and allowing their employees to worship and reflect on God, and God honors them and blesses them for it. I think God institutes this day of rest, and he invites us to join in with him. I think he's saying, let my greatest creation, the one that I made in my image, stop every seven days and celebrate with me the fact that I'm creator who has done all of this. Let him stop working and focus on me, that I am the source of all that he has. I am the fount of blessing. I made the very hands and mind with which he works. Let one day out of seven demonstrate that all the land, all the animals, all the raw materials, the breath, the strength, the emotion, that everything comes from me. Let man look to me one day in leisure out of seven for the blessing that is so elusive in the concerns of this world. See, I think God instituted the Sabbath as a weekly reminder for two things. One is that all true blessings come from his grace, not our labor. And the second is that we should honor him and keep the day holy as we seek the fullness of his blessing by giving our special attention to him on that day. But there's more to the Sabbath than just that. As with most things with God, it's multi-layered. Look in Deuteronomy 5. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen, your donkeys, and other livestock, any foreigners living with you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. In other words, the mighty hand and outstretched arm of God were not wearied by the work of creation. They are full of strength. Now the same God has shown his power not just to create, but to save as well. So the Sabbath... The focus of the Sabbath is on God, not only as the source of creation, but also as the source of salvation. He told Israel, I brought you out of Egypt. Therefore, keep the day holy. One day of rest in seven years. I mean, in seven, one day of rest in every seven. Keep holy to the Lord. And it reminds us that the world, that our God is the creator of the world. And he's our deliverer. I mean, we didn't make ourselves, we can't sustain ourselves, and without God's grace, we can't do anything. So this Sabbath is the Mosaic covenant that God makes with Israel. He says, the Lord gave these instructions to Moses, tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between you and me. 
from generation to generation. It is given so that you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. The Sabbath is a way of remembering and expressing the truth that God is our creator, our deliverer, and our sanctifier. We are dependent on him for all that we have in the world, for our deliverance from enemies, for our holiness. Yes, he has designed us to work, and we are supposed to work. And we're going to talk about the blessings of work in the upcoming weeks. But our work neither creates, nor saves, nor sanctifies. Our dependence for those things are solely on God and God alone. And the Sabbath is meant to remind us of that. Lest we think we can do things in our own strength. And unfortunately, that's what happens as we move into the New Testament. As always, mankind takes something that God meant for us to enjoy and be blessed by, and in turn, they turn it around and make something that's restrictive and burdensome. In the centuries that followed the Mosaic Covenant, the rabbis added a lot of regulations and details to the Sabbath command, and they missed the spirit of, of what it was supposed to be, that it was a gift for man's good. So when Jesus arrives on the scene, he slams headfirst into these traditions with a very different view than the one shared by the Pharisees. Look at Matthew 12. It says that about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, so they began breaking off some heads of grains and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested, Look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in Scripture what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, and he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Then Jesus went over to the synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? And they were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. But he answered, he said, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on Sabbath, would you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. See, the Pharisees had lost the original meaning and purpose of the Sabbath and how God intended it to be honored. Instead of being a day of rest, it had become a day of incredible burden. Because of the thousands of man-made regulations regarding it, the Sabbath was more tiresome than the six days devoted to one's occupation. It was harder to rest than it was to earn a living. So Jesus kind of schools them on what they should have already known, and he quotes Hosea, and he says, God says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In other words, the whole law exists for the sake of mercy. All the law is summed up in one phrase, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the Pharisees couldn't see the true meaning of the Sabbath because they didn't have hearts of love. Jesus said in Mark, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So if your heart isn't a heart for your fellow man, it's not a heart of love. You can't see the meaning of Sabbath. For the Sabbath is a gift of love to meet man's needs, not an oppressive burden to make him miserable or proud. And some people think that Jesus did away with the Sabbath because of his hard teachings on it, but he didn't. He didn't come to abolish the Sabbath, but he came to dig it out from the mountain of legalistic restrictions and to give it back to us again as the blessing it was meant to be. 
not the burden that it was. See, it's a day for showing mercy, a day for doing good. It shouldn't be governed rigidly by narrow definitions of what is work and what is not work. It's a day to focus on the Lord. And now Jesus, according to verse 8, is the Lord of the Sabbath. So it's a day to focus on Jesus. And so what happens is Jesus becomes our Sabbath covenant. Our Sabbath rest now comes through Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Now for some of you, the reason that you feel overwhelmed and burdened is because you haven't entered into his rest. See, Jesus died on a cross, and he took away the burden of sin so that you and I could enter into his rest. He did that so that we could rest from trying to earn God's approval. He did it so that we could rest from the slavery that is sin that burdens us down. He did it so that we could rest in the joy of his salvation. And the writer of Hebrews says that that rest is still available for us today. If only we would believe in the good news that is Jesus Christ. And if you've never done that, if you've never accepted the rest that Jesus offers, if you've never accepted him as Savior, man, today is the day. Today is the day to enter his rest. And I would encourage you to take that step. I mean, honestly, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of trying to make it through this life on your own? Aren't you weary from it? I mean, I know I was. I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. But when I gave my life to Christ, it was like I found freedom for the first time. I mean, the burdens that I were carrying were gone. They were gone. It didn't mean life is easy. It just means I have somebody to walk with. I actually found rest for the very first time in my life. And if you want to know what that feels like, if you want to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, man, I'm telling you, please go to next steps. You can go after the service or during worship time. We have some great people who will pray with you. They'll give you some resources to help you on your journey. And don't leave here today without knowing what real rest is. So what do we do with all this? Is the Sabbath still valid for us to keep today? Do we still have to honor it on Saturday? Well, what about Sunday? Well, as we look at the early church, it's clear that the weekly day of rest and devotion was not rejected, but was changed from Saturday to Sunday. Now, nowhere is that commanded in the Bible. It's not commanded But there are two verses that suggest that it happened in the days of the apostles. One is Acts 27, which says, On the first day of the week, when they were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the morrow, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. So it seems that there was this formal gathering for the Lord's Supper on Sunday, the first day of the week. And it looks as though the switch to Sunday for worship had already begun during that time. The other verse that points to it is 1 Corinthians 6.2, and Paul is trying to prepare the Corinthians for a collection that he's taking up for the churches uh, in Jerusalem. And it says, On the very first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that contributions need not be made when I come. So it seems that the first day of the week is now the day when Christians are performing special religious exercises. Now, those are the only two explicit references in the New Testament that I could find 
that seem to relate the Sabbath to Sunday rather than Saturday. But the real reason for why the church came to count the first day of the week as her day of rest and worship is that the Lord of the Sabbath rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And just like the work of the first creation was finished on the seventh day of the week, the work of the new creation in Christ was finished on the first day of the week by the resurrection of Jesus. So from the very earliest days, Christians have set aside the first day of the week as their usual day of rest and worship. And either way that you look at it, the idea of a day of rest that is focused on the Lord is still practiced. And like I said before, I think that we've lost our Sabbath rest and we're suffering for it. The reason Sabbath was given to man was to help us in our relationship with God. When we live according to the rhythms of the creator and the creation order, we have a holy day of rest once a week that's spent in communion with one another and with God. I think God blesses us for it. But when Christians' church attendance only averages 1.8 Sundays a month, it's not hard to see that we are cutting God out of our time and intention. And don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to be legal, legalistic about your church attendance. The Pharisees did enough of that. I'm not saying that you have to devote all of Sunday or a Saturday to a worship service. Remember, Jesus talks about heart. It's not a prescribed ritual. So it doesn't matter what day you take to rest or even what you particularly do on that day, as long as the day is devoted to the Lord. See, it's a mindset that reflects on all that God has done and is doing in our lives. Sunday seems like a good day to me because I think we should do part of this in community as we come together to worship the Lord. But your Sabbath doesn't have to be Sunday. It could be Saturday. It could be Monday. And although there is a command for us to meet together regularly, that's another sermon that we talk about. It doesn't have to be Sunday. Ben, you guys can come on up. The point I'm trying to get across to you is that it's not a prescribed thing. Your Sabbath rest should be one that reflects on the holiness of God in his many works. It could include, but not limited to, be a time of worship, a time to spend in nature enjoying his creation, a time in doing good to and for others, a time to spend quality time with your family and friends, a time to renew your energies so that you're able to enjoy life as God intended. Because I can tell you the way the majority of us are living, where our lives are running to and from one event to the other, working constantly, a calendar full of business isn't the way God intended for us to live. It just isn't. And hear this. God has to stop being just one of many, many things in our lives. You hear what I'm saying? God has to stop being just one of a multitude of things that we crowd in our lives. He has to be the main thing. He has to be the main thing. We don't serve a part-time God, and he doesn't want our part-time attention. So I would challenge you today to stop and reflect on your current Sabbath. Are you taking a day to reflect on God and his purposes? Or is it just another day? Are you tired and weary? Is your burden heavy? Jesus invites you 
to rest. So come into his rest. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your amazing love and grace in our life. And God, I thank you that you have the wisdom to prescribe a day of rest for us. Lord, because you know that it's easy for us to get so busy with life that we forget you, Lord. It's so easy for us to get so inundated with all the things of life that we forget you and we forget where all of our blessings come from. Lord, my prayer is that we would focus our time and attention on you because you are worthy of it, Lord. Because you've proven yourself faithful to us over and over again and you're worthy of our time and attention. Lord, help us to carve out one day one day out of seven, to rest and reflect on you and your goodness. It's in Jesus' name we pray.